Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. my twin brother Andrew Robinson as always we are here to give you the latest in the world of mid-majors obviously it is NCAA tournament time so we're going to be talking about a couple of the mid-majors that are still alive in this um in this tournament and Oral Roberts and Little Chicago and recapping a wild first weekend that saw everyone's bracket get absolutely obliterated and also we're going to have Kim English uh an interview um as he was named as the 11th head coach in the history of George Mason University. So we're going to get you guys to an interview with him later on as we sat down with the new head coach. But first, Andrew, man, this weekend was wild, man. What are your, what are your thoughts from this, from this first weekend, man? Hey, man, absolute pandemonium. Uh, but we knew we knew this was going to happen. No no surprises, you know. Um, the highlight of my weekend was proving you wrong, of course, um, and, and, and your Oklahoma State and Liberty prediction. You know, I told you what Kay Cunningham was going to do. Uh, I told you that it wasn't going to be enough, you know, for, for Liberty Paul, that upset. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be waiting for you to go ahead and, and, and give that public apology that we're waiting for, you know. But that was a highlight of my weekend, you know, outside of the, uh, you know, the plethora of mid-major games that took place in programs, you know, proving you wrong is, is always a highlight of my week. Yeah, Andrew, I think, you know, uh, Kate Cunningham, I believe he was three for 15, I want to say in that game, uh, or, or something. Matter of fact, let me put up the box score. I, I have it right here. Cade Cunningham, three for 14 shooting, two of eight from three. So, you know, I think Liberty did do a great job guarding him like I said that they would, you know. Um, obviously, the end of that game, uh, they let him play a little bit too much one-on-one basketball. You know, they, they, they let him. Well, nine straight points. Nine you know, straight. Uh, I mean, hey, look, I don't know why they got away from what they were doing the whole game. They weren't really letting him get downhill. Yeah, at one point through that first half, you know, and then they, they let them score 14 points in the second half, the last nine of the game. I mean, I already know, you know, why they were letting him play one-on-one there. Um, but, hey, man, it, it is what it is. Liberty put up a very, very valiant fight. You know, I don't want to slight them at all. But, uh, you know, Kate Cunningham, at the end of the day, he, it wasn't, he wasn't the reason why they won. He wasn't the, He was not the reason why they won. They won despite the fact that he shot three for 14 from the floor. Shout out to Avery Anderson. I mean, before we talked, we talked about him, you know, having to come up big. In order for Oklahoma State, in order for Oklahoma State to win that game, and he scored twenty one point seven rebounds. You know, he, I knew he would. He played well, you know, but mm-hmm. it wasn't because of Kate, Kate Cunningham, as you were trying to make it seem like he was going to go out there and just do what he wanted or what he when he wanted. That didn't happen. Simply, it didn't happen. He's fifteen points on three or fourteen shootings. So, yeah, nine straight points to end the game. I told you guys on the from the free throw line. Hey, listen, he put the ball in the basket. They couldn't stop him. He was getting downhill. He's had three field goals the entire game. Hey, listen, like I said. Three field goals the entire game. 
from the right wing, you know, nine straight points to end the game. You know, like I said, man, if the game was close, like I told you guys, the game was close, Kane was going to take over and end it. He did. And the most important stat of them all is the W. Oklahoma State came out on top. So, you know, like I said, man, I'm waiting for you to make your public apology, you know, acknowledging this feat, you know, but there were tons of other games that, you know, garnered tons of excitement. So, you know, um, how about you, man? What do you think was the most surprising result of the weekend? I think the most surprising result was Abilene Christian defeating Texas. I mean, I think that was probably the one that surprised most people um, because just, just when you look at that game and the athletes that Texas has, I mean, they're littered with, with first-round NBA talent, seniors. I mean, they had – this was the most talented Texas team that had prior since Kevin Durant was, was in a Longhorn uniform, man. And they only scored 52 points versus an Abilene Christian team out of the Southland that on paper just looked outmatched. But, I mean, you hold Texas to 52 points. I mean, they couldn't really get anything going offensively, man. Only shot the ball 40 times, turned the ball over 23 times. I mean, that is that is absolutely unbelievable for a Big 12 team to struggle that much, turn the ball over 23 times against an Abilene Christian team, man. Um, that's really good. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to slight them, but – you know, it was a typical Dave versus Goliath matchup, not even necessarily um, with the seating, but just when you look at these teams on the court, I mean, Texas, their front line is huge. Their guards are huge, man. And Abilene Christian still somehow found a way to get it done despite themselves shooting just 30% from the floor. I mean, they, they shot 20 for 67 from the floor, 30%. Three for 18 for three, 16%. And they won this game. That is absolutely astounding. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how, you know, they, they they got it done. But I mean, hey, it's March and strange things happen, and that was definitely the most uh, surprising thing uh, for me to to see this weekend. Yeah, I mean, the way we do it because, like like you mentioned before, I mean, they they forced Texas into twenty three turnovers. You know, Texas had twenty three turnovers. Abilene only had eleven. You know, so you know when you're getting more shots at the rim, you know that that tends to happen. You know, Texas didn't necessarily have a a bad offensive night when it ter- comes to, to, to shooting, you know, they, they, they shot 45%. You know, they only made 18 field goals. It's crazy because, you know, Abilene Christian, but they got Abilene Christian shot 27 more shots than them. You know, Abilene Christian shot 67 shots and Texas only shot 40 shots. So like when you turn the ball over, you know, that happens. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's hard when, when you're not getting shots up at the basket, you know, I also Abilene Christian had 18 offensive rebounds. I mean, this is a mid-major team. Like, 18 offensive rebounds. And this is a Texas team that has Kai Jones, Greg Brown, Jericho Sims. I mean, no shortage of, of, of big guys. You know, they only had five offensive rebounds the entire game. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, Abilene Christian just wanted it more, quite frankly. You know, I mean, it's, it's crazy when a big, a big 12 team gets out-rebounded by 21. You know, so like 21. They get out-rebounded 36 to 15. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's it's – Oh, no, excuse me. Texas Tech had 31 rebounds. Oh, no, that's my point. I rebounded about five. Plus five on the glass. Plus five. On, we, yeah. Even though plus five on the glass, you know, you give up you give up 18 offensive rebounds and you turn the ball over 23 times. You can't be anybody doing that because it's not like this is, you know, a non-conference. I mean, this is the NCAA tournament. You know, this is the team in Abilene Christian that, you know, won you know, the, the, their conference championship. You know, and head coach Joe Golding is a, is a rising star. He's done a great job with this program. I think they've only been Division One for like eight years, um, you know. But Texas just picked the wrong night to have their worst 
game of the season, literally. I mean, I, my heart goes up to Tashaka Smart because he's had some brutal, brutal first round exits in the round of 64 at Texas. He was lost on that half court bank shot, you know, last time around. Um, and I mean, I think that this is a Texas team that a lot of people had advancing pretty far in the tournament, you know, but um, obviously Abilene Christian had, had other ideas. It's crazy because, you know, when we look at the upsets, you know, for this week, obviously we had Ohio over Virginia, um, you know, North Texas over Purdue, and obviously Oral Roberts over Ohio State. Like, Ohio versus UVA, we, we pretty much penciled that in last election Sunday. We knew that was going to happen. Um, North Texas over Purdue was the number one that we penciled in last week on the last week's episode. Like, we kinda, that, that wasn't really a surprise. The two most surprising ones was obviously Oral Roberts over Ohio State and Abilene over Texas. But with Oral Roberts, you know, Ohio State was without Kyle Young. So we knew that they weren't really going to be at full strength because, you know, obviously he was out with the concussion. But then Oral Roberts also has two guys who are averaging about 30 a game in the NCAA tournament. They've been the highest – they were the highest scoring duo in the country in the regular season. And they've upped that even more. And now they're the highest scoring duo in the NCAA tournament as well. So um, when we look down the line of, you know, mid-majors that have been able to advance in the tournament, you know, they always have those guys that – they can go to the score and put the ball in the basket. And, you know, Old Roberts was able to do that. You know, they, you know, coach, head coach, you know, Paul Mills, you know, did a great job with those guys. Obviously they're in the Sweet 16 now, um, clearly. But I think, you know, Abilene Christian, I don't think anybody really had that game, you know, in their brackets, man. I was like the, the late game, you know, last game of the night. My guy, Joe Pleasant, you know, when it came and knocked down the two biggest free throws of his career, you know, we're watching the broadcast and they say, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know if he's going to be able to knock me down. You know, the guy shoots 46%, you know, from, from the free throw line, you know, for, on, on the year or something like 60, I think it was 59% actually from the free throw line. You know, you step up, a guy shooting less than 60% from the line has to make two to one. You're down one. And he can't both of them, you know, in the biggest moment of his life. They said, you know, he, he, has, he also made two free throws to win his high school state title, you know, before he even got to college. So apparently this guy just, a, you know, big, big shot maker. You know, the ones, in, the ones in the middle of the game he probably doesn't really care about. But, hey, when he gave it the line, you know, I think I might like Joe Pleasant over the field for the free throw line. Yeah, man, I mean, we, we talked about that all, all March, you know, when, even back to Mount St. Mary's. Well, they're big guys. They, they had a couple guys, I think, uh, Nana, um, I think Messi. Both of those guys were, I think, career – this season was shooting like 50-some percent from the free throw line. Both of those guys went to the line, knocked out some huge shots from Mount St. Mary's to win the NEC championship. And then my guy Joe Pleasant obviously did it on the biggest stage of them all. You know, hey, man, the, the, the percentages don't matter, man. When you step up to that line, either you want the ball in your hands or you don't. And some guys do, and some guys don't. And my guy Pleasant won the ball in his hands in that moment, and he delivered, man. But hey, shout out to my, my my guy Trey Fields, man. He said, "Hey, mm-hmm. I, I, I threw up his uh, free throw percentage." He was like, "Hey, man." He was like, "Uh, you can't measure ice water in the veins." I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, that with a set. You can't at all, man. Um, you mentioned Oral Roberts, man, and I want to talk a lot about this team because, yes, it was a surprising upset just because of the seed, but. Or Roberts is a great, great basketball team. I mean, yes, they finished fourth um, in the Summit League um, and they were able to win the conference tournament. But this team is elite, elite, elite offensive team. And I mean, they're a top 50 team in Temple. They're averaging about 71.5 possessions per 40 minutes, um, which is 46 right now in, in the entire country in Division One basketball. Um, they're averaging about 82 points per game in their last seven games. I mean, they can score with the best of them. As a team, they shoot 40% from three. They space you out. Kevin O'Banner is a star. Max A. Smith is a star. You mentioned, I mean, regular season, they were averaging about 42 points 
between the two of them. They've upped that to about 56 points per game between the two of those guys in these in these two games. Obviously, game one, um, O'Bannon goes for 30, Aishman goes for 29, and then game two, I believe Aishman's had I think Aishman's had 20. 26, I believe, and had 28. Yeah, I mean, these, these dudes, they're, they're, they're going 30 for 30 every night, man. I mean, it's unbelievable what those two guys are doing, man. I mean, those guys are single-handedly carrying Oral Roberts um, right now. I mean, those two can play at any team, any school in the country, man. I mean, they can shoot it. They can get to the, they can get to the basket. Um, Oral Roberts is extremely hard to guard. Um, when you talk about just, just trying to slow them down because they play so fast and they play so free offensively and all five guys in the court can shoot, man. They're going to be a tough, tough out um, next round when they play Arkansas. I think that they can beat Arkansas just because of the fact that the stylistically, I think they match up really well because Arkansas wants to get out and run too. I mean, Arkansas is 17th in the country in, in, in tempo. They're averaging about 73 possessions per 40 minutes. Like I said, I, I said before, Roberts is about about 71 and a half possessions per 40 minutes. So both of them wanted to be a track meet. So at that point, is who makes more shots? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and obviously, Oral Roberts, like I said, they're averaging 82 points per game over their last seven games, obviously all wins. So, I mean, hey, I, I'm not bending against Oral Roberts to knock off Arkansas um, and reach the Elite Eight where they would face Scott Drew and the Baylor Bears. Who, who, well, they're going to be beat Villanova, but I think, I think Baylor advanced over Villanova without Colin Gillespie. And you get Scott Drew, you get Paul Mills, the reunion of, 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 of a Baylor. You know, of course, obviously Paul Mills was assistant for years under Scott Drew at Baylor. Um, and obviously the head coach at Oral Roberts now doing an outstanding job. So, I think we're going to see a bear reunion in the Elite Eight between Scott Drew and Paul Mills after Oral Roberts knocks off Arkansas. You're predicting that. You're going on the record. I'm going on the record. I'm, call, I'm calling Oral Roberts over Arkansas to the Elite Eight. Yeah, Ace, I, I, I admire your, you know, your, your um, enthusiasm on this one. But, um, you know, I think Oral Roberts has made a great run. You know, they're only the second 15 seed ever to make a Sweet 16, you know, Obviously, the first 15 seed was Florida Gulf Coast and, you know, Andy Anfield, those guys, and Dunk City uh, a few years back. But just like FGC, I think we have come to the end of the road for Oral Roberts. Um, I think Arkansas is going to be too big, too physical. Um, I think that we, we, you know, Arkansas got down to Colgate early and everybody started panicking. And then they, they threw that press on Colgate and the game completely changed. They were on a 17-0 run. I think the difference between um, Arkansas and, and Florida, per se, is that, you know, obviously Florida has a big fellow, you know, Castleton. Um, he's a tough matchup, you know, for, for O'Banner and those guys that are stepping out. Um, the thing with Arkansas is that they can go small. You know, they can they, – they, they can obviously, you know, we, we know the, the master problem that Moe's Moody is, but you can go Justin Smith, you know, throw him at the five, and now you're playing five out. And they can switch all those ball screens. So it's going to be a lot easier for teams to defend. And Arkansas is going to be able to get all those pick-and-pop threes because um, if, if Arkansas goes with Justin Smith at the five, he can guard any of those guys on, on the perimeter. Um, obviously down low, you know, they're physical. He's big, strong, 6'7", 230. You know, so I think that Arkansas has the ability to match up with those guys. Um, and I, I think that when you, when you just – when you compare the athletic ability – um, and just the ability that Arkansas has three to explode for points. I think that Arkansas is going to provide a, a unique challenge uh, when you, you know, comparison to Ohio State and, and what Florida could do. Hey, man, look, I, I respect your opinion. You know, I, 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 I think, you know, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I think Arkansas, look, it's, it's going to come down to who makes the most shots because they're, it's going to be a track meet. And, 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 and you talk about pressing, I think you, you press or Roberts if you want to, they're going to be throwing the ball at the court getting threes. Ace Smith ain't turning the ball over, and if you obviously you know if you know if you obviously if you're pressing, 
you're, you're at least vulnerable on the backside. You can get the ball over the top. So if they press Oral Roberts, I don't think that that's going to necessarily go in their best favor because then it's going to be – Oral Roberts going to be running threes all game long. You know, I see my guy Aceman has, has a low goal range. So I don't think you want to play that game with, with Oral Roberts. You know, I think their, their best bet is probably just trying to guard him in the half court. Um, like you said, switch everything, you know, go go go, go five out with Justin Smith to try to switch uh, their ball screens and try to, you know, get into him and be, be physical with him up front. Um, obviously, we, we, actually, we, we actually talked to uh, – we didn't talk to uh, – I listened to a podcast, um, Jeff Goodman, um, I was in the field 68. They had the South Dakota State head coach on there, and he was talking about Oral Roberts and it was warning everybody before the tournament started about how hard they are to guard and about how good Aceman was and Kevin O'Banner was and the reason – why they could pose a threat, you know, because of the way they play offensively. But what he did say is that a team that has an imposing five um, could 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 be an issue for them. And obviously, you thought it was going to be Castleton with Florida, but they were able to get to 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 get by Florida because obviously he he struggled guarding O'Banner on the perimeter. So I think you know uh, Arkansas's best bet is probably just try to go small and switch everything, you know, and then hope hope that your guys can win that match. Hope that Smith can. <laughs> Get with that matchup against O'Banner, but I mean O'Banner, in my opinion, is as good as any player in the country right now. So, I mean, I think I think you can legitimately say that that you know, Oral Roberts is going to have the better the better player at two positions out of the five on, on the court um, when they play Arkansas. Yeah, I mean we'll have to see, man. You know, turn the gears a little bit to the other uh, Swiss team matchup that's going to feature one of the uh, majors that we've talked about a lot on this show is Loyola Chicago, and they're going to see Oregon State. You know, after you know, advancing to a Sweet 16, you know, some would call an, an upset what they did over Illinois in that 8-1 game. Um, obviously, advancing out of that first round over Georgia Tech, who was without um, ACC Player of the Year and, and Moses Wright. But um, they're back. You know, they're in a Sweet 16 for a second time in, in, in four years, I want to say. Um, and, you know, like second time in four years, obviously Cameron Crutwig, Lucas Williamson, you know, were freshmen on that Final Four team. You know, they're now back in the Sweet 16, and they're going to face – um, Oregon State, where they're actually a seven-point favorite uh, in the Sweet 16 matchup, which is which is crazy for a Sweet 16 matchup to be favored, you know, against a, a Pac-12 conference champion and be favored by seven and a half points. You know, um, so I mean, what are your thoughts on, on that matchup? You know, what Chicago has been able to do thus far in the tournament, and you know, how do they'll fare? You know, this weekend against Oregon State. I mean, listen, I feel so bad for Illinois because. The tournament, I mean, they, they, they screwed Illinois. Loyola Chicago was grossly underseeded. There is no way in, in hell they should have been an eight seed. Every metric has them in the top ten. They're, they're, they're nine in Kempom. They're ten in the net. They're the number one team in the, in, in the country in defensive efficiency for Kempom. I mean, you can't tell me that this team is an eight seed. Like, there's no way that this team should have been an eight seed. Um, they are one of they are one of in my opinion, probably the best uh, – they're proving it right now that they're one of the best probably 10 teams in the country. Um, I think they're going to advance uh, to the Elite Eight on um, on Saturday when they play uh, Oregon State, obviously. But, I mean, they're – like I said, man, they're, they're the best defensive team in America in, in, per Kempom, defensive efficiency. I mean, th- these guys are, are pr- precise. They're surgical on offense, the way they run that Princeton offense. Man, Kevin Krobick obviously being the catalyst. He's so good because he can he can do so many different things. You know, he he can guard big guys. You know, but on the other end, when a guy like you know a guy like uh, Kofi has to come out there and guard him on the perimeter, and, and it, it really big guys don't necessarily want to come out there and guard him on the perimeter, man. So they're hard to guard offensively and they're stingy defensively. And we all know Porter Moser is one of the best coaches in the country. Um, so they're 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 tough out, man. Like I said, I don't know how the heck they were eight seed. You know, kudos to 
to the, to Vegas, I guess, for, for, for putting some respect on that name and putting them as a seven-point favorite, you know. But uh, I think it's about time somebody put some respect on these dudes' names. Now, for real, man, it's crazy, you know, because, I mean, I mean, this is a, a mid-major podcast, but, you know, Oakland State has pulled off an improbable run and marching their own right. Obviously, winning the Pac-12 as a five-seed, you know, upsetting Tennessee in that first game, and then upsetting, upsetting Kay Cunningham and Oklahoma State Cowboys in the round 32 to make it in the Sweet 16, and the odds are going to be stacked against them yet again um, in this Sweet 16 matchup against Loyola Chicago. But um, I don't know, man, it's setting up for a fun couple weeks because if Loyola Chicago were to advance, then I mean, they're going to see the winner of the Syracuse and Houston game, um, which will make for a, an amazing, amazing Elite Eight. Um, but I think that, you know, when, when we're talking about these mid-majors, man, I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go without mentioning you know, Ohio, who also had a great run. Obviously, they beat Virginia um, in that first-round matchup and, you know, just couldn't put it together uh, for, for 40 minutes against, against Creighton. Creighton um, pretty much took it to him in that matchup. Um, Jason Preston had a wonderful first, first game, 11 points. 13 rebounds, eight assists. Um, struggled a lot in that second game, but, you know, hell of a job for, you know, Coach Jeff Bowles getting Ohio, you know, back in the NCAA tournament, you know, and being able to win a game in the NCAA tournament as well. Um, also, North Texas being able to um, get Purdue in that first round and then, you know, ultimately falling to Villanova. I think, you know, um, if nothing else, I think that this year's tournament really has opened a lot of people's eyes, man. I mean, obviously there's no Duke in the NCAA tournament. No Kentucky in the NCAA tournament. You know, Kansas gets blown out by 30 by USC. Um, I think it's really, you know, showing a, a changing of the guard in college basketball. I mean, I mean, obviously we have Oral Roberts in the Sweet 16. Little Chicago is in their second Sweet 16 in the last four years. Um, I mean, I think the, 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 there's a shift. You know, there's a shift going on in college basketball right now. When we look around the landscape, you know, Alabama's a two-seed. You know, Arkansas is right there. You know, Baylor. We have a lot of programs who, you know, aren't traditionally – you know, recognizing in, in, in that in that level, I mean, and they're making a lot of noise, you know, so I definitely want to give kudos to those programs, man, um, for having a stellar, stellar opening weekend, and I think it's going to be even more fun, you know, this weekend in the uh, Sweet 16 and, and Elite Eight rounds. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, obviously, you know, this is a mid-major podcast, and most people wouldn't consider Gonzaga a mid-major, but they are, you know, they're the number one team in the country right now, number one seed in the tournament, they're you know, going to see Creighton this weekend. Speaking of Creighton, one upset that I'm surprised didn't happen was, was UC Santa Barbara over Creighton. I mean, they escaped Santa Barbara in that first round. I, I, I was able to watch that game. And, I mean, I, I thought they were – I thought I thought UC Santa Barbara had it won the whole game. I mean, there were games, there were times where obviously they they, uh, they were they were, they were trailing. I'm like, all right, they're, they're, they're going to find a way to win this game. And they had chances down the stretch. They had, they had a shot to win it at the end, man. I believe they might have had two shots. Uh at the end, man, and, and just, just couldn't get it done, man. But Creighton, you know, despite what everybody said about them, they, they find themselves in, in the Sweet 16, and they've earned their right to play Gonzaga. Uh, and, and people – people, I keep hearing, you know, everybody talking about how this, this is supposed to be a good game, and Creighton – if they make – I don't think it's going to be a good game, personally. I mean, I mean, I don't think – I see this as – I'm not going to say it's no contest, but Gonzaga should win this game comfortably, in my opinion. Like, I don't think they'll sweat this round against Creighton, you know. Um, but, man, yeah, like I said, man, Santa Barbara, I was surprised that they didn't pull that game off against Creighton, man. But, like I said, lo and behold, man, we're here. Gonzaga, the best mid-major in the country, uh, looking like they're going to ready to walk to an Elite Eight where I think they'll see Oregon, and I think Oregon give them, give them a run for their money. I think they beat Oregon, but definitely single-digit single, single digit game, um, two, three possessions, maybe maybe two possessions, like single-digit game for sure, guaranteed uh, in, in that Elite Eight if Oregon gets there, which I believe they will, over uh, USC. 
Yeah, I couldn't disagree more. Um, Gonzaga is going to walk to the Final Four. Um, I don't think I don't think Crane's going to give them any run for their money. Oregon not going to give them run for their money. I think we're going to see some situation to what we saw um, in Oregon's last game versus Iowa, where it was a great game in the first half. You know, Iowa was right with them. You know, people were thinking, oh, it's going to be a photo finish. Second half, Oregon blew doors off, off the game, and it wasn't close. Um, and this is what I'm predicting in this game. I think Oregon is talented. You know, obviously they have LJ Figueroa, Chris Duarte. Uh, they have a lot of talented guys over there. Uh, obviously, Coach Dana Altman is a great coach. Been to the Final Four. They have a ton of, of pedigree over there. Um, but um, Gonzaga is the best team in the country. So I think that when it comes to the second half, they're going to blow this game wide open. And I see a double-digit win by Gonzaga. Um, moving on to the Final Four. Yeah, man. Well, we'll see what happens, man. You, you, you have your picks. I think, I think we're, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna see what's gonna happen, man. I, I didn't want to throw this out there. I would love to see a Gonzaga, Alabama, Baylor, Loyola, Chicago Final Four. I would love to see that. Gonzaga and Alabama would be a game for the ages. Nate Oates and Mark Few. I mean, that that Alabama team is extremely fun to watch. And then obviously, Baylor and Loyola, Chicago, two of the best defensive teams in the country, would be a rock fight, first to fifty. Um, two outstanding coaches in Scott Drew and Porter Moses. That, that, that's my wish list for the Final Four. I hope that it comes true. Um, so, just, 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 just in, in, in the, to the basketball guys, if you hear me right now, you know, can we get a Gonzaga, Alabama, Baylor, Lower Chicago Final Four? I, I, I wouldn't mind to see Michigan there if they're healthy. But I don't think that, that, that Michigan without Isaiah Liver is going to be able to give Gonzaga a run for their money. I think Alabama can, 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 can keep up. Can, can, that would be a game. That would probably be one of the best games. Uh, we've seen in a while that they match up, in my opinion. Well, don't count out Syracuse, man. Those orange men with that 2 3 zone, man. They're in the Sweet 16. They're going to see Houston, um, a team who doesn't particularly shoot it well. They're a great offensive rebounding team. Shout out to Justin Gorham, um, a DMV native, man. Um, Kevin Sanford's done an amazing job with that program. But, you know, the zone has caused a lot of teams' problems thus far in this tournament. And I think if they can get past Houston and get to that lead eight, you have a team in Lower Chicago and Syracuse. Obviously, Lower Chicago hasn't seen a 2-3 zone like that all season. You know, so I think it'll be an interesting contrast of styles there to where, you know, Syracuse might be able to, to sneak back to the Final Four under Bayheim as an 11th seed yet again. For sure, man. Also, you know, want to root for – also root for Kevin Samuels, man, black coach. We all want to root, 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 root for the black brother, man. One moment to go ahead and get to that Final Four, man. So we would love to see, see Kevin Kelvin Sampson get Houston, you know, back to the to the five slammer jammer days, back back to that final four, man. So definitely gonna be rooting for him as well. For sure, man. We will see what happens this weekend, you know. But um, without further ado, man, like we mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, we have a new head men's basketball coach at George Mason. It is none other than Baltimore native Kim English, who obviously, you know, is so, since a uh, stellar basketball player, you know, and from a playing perspective, from a playing days at Missouri, um, all-time leader in wins at Missouri over four years. Once um, a tournament, all four years at Missouri, played on some great teams. I remember that team with him and, and Phil Prussy. Um, fun to watch, played in the NBA for the Pistons, um, played some time, you know, spent some time overseas, you know, got into coaching, started at Tulsa. Um, then, you know, went to Colorado under Todd Boyle and, uh, you know, was at Tennessee for the last two years with coach Rick Barnes was just named the 11th head men's basketball coach at George Mason at the ripe age of 32. So um, we had a chance to sit down with Coach English today, and we're going to get you guys over to that interview right now. 
Alrighty guys, All Facts Media here live with the new George Mason head coach, Kim English. So first of all, congratulations uh, on, on the on gig kick, on the gig coach. Um, obviously for you, you know, it's, it's been a short rise. I mean, honestly, you got your first head coaching job in 2015 for a coach that you played for and Frank Hayes, and then obviously six years later, you know, you're a head coach. So talk to me a little bit about your journey um, from transitioning to, from a player to a coach and now being here, head coach at George Mason. I, um, I, at once my, career in the NBA ended, I quickly realized that I wanted to get into coaching. And um, I started uh, reaching out to Coach Hate. From Europe, I actually started doing scouting reports. While I was playing professionally in Europe, I would get home to my apartment and I would watch an opponent and send him a scouting report. Um, I actually remember doing one for Coach Paulson's Bucknell team in 2013 or 14. In, uh, in Columbia, Missouri. And um, so he knew that I was serious and I wanted to do it. I started to familiarize myself with the 2016 and 17 recruiting classes. Like think about where I had relationships in Maryland or Missouri or in New England where I went to prep school or Detroit. Like I tried to use my relationships in places that I've been to try to you know, build my relationships, you know, build my recruiting network rather. And, um, and um, I did it. And Coach Hafe thankfully gave him my first opportunity. And um, I worked incredibly hard for him. He moved me to assistant coach. Coach Boyle, Colorado. I was just watching the game at Boo Williams, minding my business. And he came and sat next to me. We just started talking. And he lost an assistant coach. He hired me. Uh, same thing with Coach Barnes. I would coach Hafe, worked for Coach Barnes at Texas. And uh, I'd go out to dinner with Coach Barnes on the road and we're in recruiting in the summer. And uh, we got a relationship and he gave me a great opportunity at Tennessee. And um, two awesome years at Tennessee. COVID year was crazy last year, but we really talented team this, this past season. A lot of ups and downs because of COVID, like everyone in the country. Uh, but uh, really fortunate and happy to be sitting here today. Now, obviously me and my brother are being local guys here. A lot has been said recently in the media about local schools, Maryland, Georgetown, and the recruiting. You know, for example, Maryland, they, an article came out today, actually, they haven't signed a guy from the math in over 20 years. And lots been said about the program being able to get local guys to stay home. For you, um, what are you going to do to be able to kind of get these local guys to stay home at George Mason? Um, and kind of, you know, that Final Four team with Fallon Campbell and Tony Skinner are guys from the area. Will Thomas, Baltimore, John Lewis, yeah. Lamar Butler. I mean, yeah. I where Lamar went? He went to Oxen Hill? He's from here as well. Lamar went to Oxen Hill. Yeah, yeah, no, so like, no, it's, it's, it's critically important. Like, it's the lifeblood of our program, right? Player acquisition is so important. Like, our culture, recruiting, and scheduling. Culture, recruiting, scheduling. Every, it's an every single day thing. I told our staff today, we're gonna meet every single day on recruiting. Every single day we're meeting on recruiting. Where are we with prospects? Who is this kid? Let's get involved. Who's around him? What do we know? Like, it's the lifeblood of our program. And we're slap dab in the middle of the best in the world. The best prep prospects in the world are all within a 50 mile, 60 mile radius of right here. That is a blessing. <laughs> it's so exciting that we just can get, we can practice and get in a car and go watch a high school game and then get in the car and go watch another high school game. Hey coach, you having a morning workout? Cool, go to morning workout. Come back to work all day. Practice, go to afternoon, go to practice in the afternoon. Like right here, McDonald's All-Americans, really good players, under the radar players. You know, it's, 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 it's a great opportunity. 
And obviously, most assistant coaches dream to be a head coach one day, um, and you want to get that job. And some coaches you know, don't take any job. So for you, why George Mason? Why why George Mason? Why this time? Why this university? Um, what made this first special for you to say, you know what, this is the job that I want at this point in time? It's because it's not um, – it's because it's, it wasn't – for me, it wasn't about becoming a head coach. It was about, about winning when I became a head coach, being a successful, successful head coach, being a championship head coach. And I think that all the infrastructure for that is here at George Mason. Obviously, an evidence of the banners, championships, Final Four, it, it, it's, it's plainly obvious, plainly obvious that – the infrastructure is here to have success as a head coach. Now, um, obviously, you mentioned briefly in the press conference about your staff and what you're trying to assemble. Um, for you, um, where are you at as far as putting together your staff? How, um, how I mean, you mentioned obviously Coach Thomason, but um, what exactly are you looking for um, in the staff that you're trying to assemble here? Yeah, um, I'm going to hire Dennis Felton as an assistant coach. He's the head coach at West Kentucky, head coach at Georgia, head coach at um, Cleveland State. He spent time in the NBA with the San Antonio Spurs. Assistant coach at Providence, assistant coach at Clemson. Um, you know, very sharp basketball mind, very sharp defensive basketball coach, communicator. Um, I worked with him at Tulsa. Um, I have one spot that I, I want to hire someone from the area, someone that knows this area intimately and is connected to all programs, that is accepted in, and welcomed in all programs, and knows, knows our guys, our guys' respect. It's really important to me. And uh, yeah, that, that's where I am on the three assistant coaches. Obviously, you mentioned a little bit, you know, David Tenney, your presser. You know, the eight times of the multi-bid league, um, obviously with your VCU, your St. Bonaventure, St. Louis, et cetera. How do you expect to get this program up to that to that, and to the level of those programs where you're competing for at-large bids, you know, year in and year out? Our culture, our recruiting, and our scheduling. Like, that's how. And we, we will. We're, we're, we're so locked into our culture, the way we play, you know, really getting buy-in on our identity. Again, that stuff will take care of itself. Like, I'm not laser focused on those guys. I'm so laser focused on the level that we are competing every day. How much are we getting better every day? And that when we step on the court, no matter who it's against, if it's against the top team in the A-10, if it's against some team, a Division Three team, or if it's against the top team in the ACC, Big East, or Pac-12, our standard is our standard. What we do, what we focus on, we're going to do every single day. And the winning will take care of itself. Um, obviously, as, as three you know, black men sitting here today, um, a lot of the has been said about you know, black coaches getting opportunities. Um, we've seen a lot of the openings. Obviously, you know, um, Coach Grant at BC. 10 know, out of the 15. 10 out of the 15, yeah. 10 out of 15 has, has gone to, to black coaches. So, you know, for you, um, what does that mean, you know, for you to be able to get this opportunity? And um, what does that say to, you know, the, black coaches that might be trying to get to where you are, you know, down the line. I would say that um, I have great responsibility right now, and it's, it is a great, a great responsibility that I don't take lightly, and I'm, I'm going to succeed. I'm going to succeed because of the people that are around me, the people that have helped lift me up to get me to this point, and I'm, I'm into helping coaches, all coaches of all races and persuasions, but any young man that that looks like me, that comes from where I come from, player, coach, anything, administrator, I'm going to give him everything that I can because someone gave it to me. Thank you for your time, Coach. Extremely grateful you taking the time out to talk to us. And we're going to be rooting for you guys, uh, obviously, as, as black coaches and as DMV guys for you to do well here. Thank you. Mason. I appreciate Thank it, man. All facts. Yes, sir. Thanks, guys. Yes, sir. 
All righty, guys. That was Kim English, man. I mean, what a guy, man. This, I mean, I, I think, you know, as a, as a DMV guy, you know, as a, as a local guy that's, you know, grew up watching George Mason, I was 10 years old, uh, or actually I was nine years old, going on 10, when they went to that Final Four run. I can remember it vividly. Um, I'm excited for George Mason, man. I think, I think, I think Coach English is going to do a great job there, man. Just listening to him speak today at the press conference and just, you know, hearing his plan for the program, hearing his poise, his charisma, his energy, you can tell that, that he has the, the, the chops to, to turn that program around, man. And um, obviously, you know, his, his pedigree, his resume speaks for itself I mean, from his playing career. Um, he's a young, so you can still relate to guys. And um, look out, guys, because I, I think George Mason is going to be a player in the A-10 sooner rather than later. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I absolutely love the hire um, for, for George Mason, man. I think, you know, kudos, kudos to them. Um, for, for going out and going out of limb, man, and, and you know, hiring a guy um, that's only been a assistant coach for six years. You know, I mean, there's, there's guys that you know spend their whole lives trying to get their first head coaching gig, man. And for him, you know, he, he did a little two-two-two deal, two years at Tulsa, two at Colorado, and two at Tennessee, um, and now he's the head coach, man. So I think you know, just um, kudos to Brad Edwards, man, the AD at George Mason, man, for going out on a limb um, and hiring Kim English, who by all you know, by all. Um, Accounts uh, is, is, is a star, man. I mean, I haven't heard a bad word about Kim English yet, from former players to coaches to people that have spoken to him, man. I mean, everybody loves this guy. He he has a great um, command. He he just he has a great aura around him when you when you speak to him. Um, having the opportunity to speak to him today, I I, I definitely you know can tell he's extremely intelligent. Um, one thing that I love that he said during his press conference, man, and you know I think one thing you know when you you're in the media stuff, you know the thing that I've noticed about a lot of coaches, uh, a lot of coaches that win, um, is that you hear them talk about the process, you know, and they don't, one thing that came into today was when he was at Missouri and they were, you know, having 31 seasons and they were winning all these games, um, they never talked about winning. You know, they never, they never talked about, you know, winning 30 games. You know, obviously when we, we got the Quinnipiac, they could only be said that when they were at Villanova, they never talked about, you know, winning the actual championships. They just talked about how can they – like, how do you win games? How do you be the best per version of yourself each and every day? You know, chin loose balls, jump stopping on two feet, um, you know, anything, man. Just the, the, the minute detail of being places on time, um, you know, being – doing what you're doing – what doing what you do. Um, do what we do. Have a culture. Have an identity about yourself. Um, and go about that. And that is what leads to wins. And um, that, that – so I really like Kim English and the way that, the way that he – handling himself in the press conference today, man. He's an incredibly bright um, young man or young adult. Um, and I think he's going to be the perfect person to get this George Mason program back to where it needs to be um, in the, in sooner rather than later. Yeah, man. I mean, it's crazy because as you guys just heard in the interview, you know, I asked Coach about, you know, how is he going to strengthen the recruiting ties and the programs and, you know, like the, the, the Mathers and, you know, the team takeovers and getting into WCAC and getting these little kids to stay home. And literally, man, I get back, I drive all the way back from, you know, from Fairfax, Virginia to Baltimore. It was quite the drive. It was about an hour and a half today because of traffic. And um, literally, man, before I could even get in my in my house and take my clothes off, I'm on Twitter and I see, you know, Kim English has, has, has offered a four-star kid out of the Matthew and Tyrell, Tyrell Ward um, to George Mason. Before I could even get home, he's already in DeMatha, you know, offering a kid a scholarship, you know, who's one of the best local prospects that there is. And I think that that just, 
that just shows what his work ethic is, what his mentality is. Um, he's going to recruit this area. He's going to get kids to stay home. And quite frankly, man, he's going to get some kids that don't belong in the A-10 to come there. I mean, he already mentioned at the press conference that he was talking about talking to guys from the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and the ACC about coming to George Mason and playing. You know, and um, as we know, man, times are changing, you know. You had to be able to, to to get kids to one to stay in your program. You know it's just harder. You know easier said than done. But you're also gonna have to you know take the egg muscleman path sometimes and get transfers to come into your program. Um, obviously, Texas Tech went to national championship a few years ago with two grad transfers in there and they're starting five. You know you're gonna have to be able to get guys to come to your program as well. It seems like he's hitting the ground running on both of those levels. So um, I don't know, man. A10 definitely has to watch out, man. I think that George Mason um, is gonna be a force to be reckoned with in the near near future. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, look, Brad Edwards said he expects his, he expects his program to be a top five team in the A-10. I mean, he said that's the, that's the, that's the expectation you know, for Jordan Mason. He thinks that they have the resources, um, the talent, you know, and they have everything that, everything that they need in place. And now they have their head coach, you know. So I think uh, the future is definitely looking bright at George Mason, man. I think, obviously, the A-10 is a league that you can have success in if, if you get the right guy, get the right talent, man. So I think George Mason is definitely on the, on the up and up. And I'm excited to see where they go, man. I'm excited to get to get to Eagle Bank Arena next year. Hopefully, we can have you know, some more fans in there, and you know, hopefully, go in and, and, and cover some games. Hopefully, you know, learn, learn more about uh, about about Coach English and, and, and the program that he's trying to build over there. Now, for sure, man. I have to you know get get to a practice too, man. See what those guys are doing over there, man. I, that should be fun, um, you know. But guys, that is going to be a wrap for this episode. Um, it was tons of fun, man. Stay tuned to your TVs. This weekend, the NCAA tournament is going to be back with second weekend action with the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. We'll see if we still have some mid-majors that are going to be dancing for next week's episode. Um, stay tuned with us. As always, like this podcast, you know, give it a share, you know, tell a friend, tell a friend, subscribe. You know, it goes a long, long way. Um, and make sure you guys are following us on Twitter, at All Facts Media, on Instagram, at All Facts Media. Check out our YouTube channel. We just uploaded a lot of old videos up there. Um, you know, some, some content that you guys may have missed, some off-season interviews and things like that. So, um, you know, wherever we have content, man, make sure you guys are engaging with us. We definitely appreciate you guys, man. And we're going to let Pull Up Tay take us out, guys. Until next time, yeah. You beating on me? It's time to get a check, boy. You want the sideline? You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You beating on me? What's the topic of discussion? What we talking about? Take your best shot, I'ma take your last shot, I'm drawing in the clutch, boy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.